So we're in this sermon series uh, called Devoted. And it comes out of Acts 2, 42, where it says that the believers devoted themselves to prayer and the apostles' teaching and, and fellowship and the breaking of bread. And so we said, man, we're going to focus on what, what does the church do? What are they devoted to? And so we're going to spend like multiple weeks in this, actually a few months in this, and we're focused right now on the, the, the apostles' teaching. We say, so the, the believers, people who are followers of Jesus, committed themselves to like the, the scripture and what the apostles were teaching, and they devoted themselves to it. So we're saying, how do we read the Bible, and how do we engage with this, like for normal people, not just all you brilliant know the Bible inside and out, but kind of for us normal people. And so we're doing this series, except I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to press pause because I want to talk to you some about the trip, the, the, the trip to Israel and some things that we experienced. But if, I, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need something from you, okay? What I need from you is I need you to read. <laughs> Don't worry. I, we, Thomas told us you are going to hear loud screaming, and they may run around the whole building a few times. But that's only a good thing. Okay, what, what I need is I need you to read the book of James, chapter 1, 2, and 3. It's a lot. It's not a lot. Can you all do that by next Sunday? Yes? Like right now? If you get bored, yes, do it right now. Okay, that's your homework. By next Sunday when we come, it, it'll, it'll be really helpful because we're going to talk about how to read the Bible, and Tyler and I are kind of doing a shared teaching next week, but if you've read James 1, 2, and 3, it's going to be super helpful. I uh, returned from Israel. There, are, there was a group of 52 that went. It was from two churches, Cornerstone and Boulder Valley. 25 from Boulder Valley uh, went. This was my fourth trip leading a team to Israel and to the Holy Lands. It's always powerful. I love watching uh, what God speaks to those who go. And if you went on the trip, raise your hand. Let's do that. Look around. All right, leave your hands up. Yes, we clap for you guys. Because they, listen, they're waking up at 3 a.m. They're here. It's not a big deal. They, they're still jet lagged. If you see someone that went, all right, watch this. Let's do something interesting. Okay, raise your hands if you went on this trip. Raise your hands if you've ever gone on one of the trips. Look at that. That's pretty impressive. You know, half, a third to a half. Um, often people ask me if I still get things out of the trip. Matt, you've gone four times. Do you still get something new uh, even though you've gone a bunch? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Uh, I also, I go always with an intent, like a listening ear. I believe God is going to speak, and he's going to speak something to me and something new and something to our group new, and I really believe something to our church. Lord, is there anything you want to speak to our church? And really, that's a posture, that's a life posture, not just a trip posture, but when you go on a trip, and especially when you go to Israel and you go to the Holy Lands, especially for me as a pastor, who loves shepherding this church and wants to lead us in a way not just that I feel like is a good idea, but is more like a God idea. Lord, I'm listening. And this morning I want to share a little bit about what I heard. Travel, travel is always a good thing, right? 
It gives perspective. It takes you out of your routine, places you somewhere new. Your senses are heightened as you, you experience new culture, new food, meet new people. Travel gives perspective. You get out of your routine, you experience the new, and you return back into your normal. And if done well, travel should transform you. It should change you. When Melanie and I went to Israel the first time, probably the biggest thing that stuck with us was this Sabbath. Israel, like, practices the Sabbath. So on, on Friday night, when the sun goes down, the, the, everything shuts down. And it does not open until the sun goes down Saturday evening. And, and, I mean, the streets are quiet. And so Mel and I came back and said, man, just this idea of rest and Sabbath. And it changed us. It affected us. Said, we would love to have some of this rhythm in our life. Perspective. Perspective is what God spoke to me on the trip this time. I want to give you an illustration. Okay, we're into our phones right now. On, on our phones, we have the, the map app. Maybe the Google or the Apple or, you know. Hey, that's something else we could probably divide on. <laughs> we should have like a, a, our, our, our Apple people on one side and our Google people on another. We could argue. That what? Wait. Wait. L listen, young people, don't throw new stuff at me. All right. I'm at my, I'm at my full. So I, you open up your, your map on your phone. And, it, and it, it blinks and is showing you where you are. You, you zoom out a little bit and, and you say, oh, here's, here's the street I'm at. Okay, here's the city I'm in. You zoom out a little bit more and it says, oh, and here, here's where the city is in relation to the state. And you zoom out a little bit more. Here's where the state is in, in relation to the country. You zoom out a little bit more. Here's where the country is in relation to the world. You get this continued zooming out perspective that shows you exactly where you are. Could we do it in our lives? Like in the mid middle of a busy day, in the middle of that rough day at work, in that middle of the day when you're dealing with the kids, to zoom out. So, okay, well, let's say you're at work and it's just a bad day. You're having a bad moment at work. Like, what's it take to pause, to check where we are, and to get perspective? Zoom out and say, man, I'm, I'm dealing with this manager, this person, and this is really frustrating. Zoom out and remember why we work, why you work where you do, and, and why it is meaningful. Zoom out and remember where you are in your career, in your life, provision. Z zoom a little bit further out. Recognize your stage in life, where you are. Things you have grateful like. So just to get perspective and this zooming out idea of, of where we are in a moment, Lord, help us to get perspective, to zoom out, to see where we really are in the bigger picture of things. You with me? This morning I want to share the perspective that God gave me and I think is for us during this trip into the Holy Lands. I, I want to share this perspective through four stories, four stories that we experienced. Uh, stories that give perspective and, and help us to remember and even to check where we are. So the first story. Uh, we landed in Tel Aviv and you go up the Mediterranean and you just eat like all this great food and then you uh, cr cross over into 
the region of the Galilee and the Sea of Galilee. And here is where Jesus did so many of his miracles. This is by Nazareth where he lived, Capernaum where he stayed with Peter and Peter's family. Like so much happens here. And so we're, we're on the Sea of Galilee, like every morning sipping coffee and watching the sunrise over the Sea of Galilee. It's a rough trip, this trip is. Um, and, one of, and we go to all these spots. One of the spots we go to is a place where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. It's like the actual hill where he gave this most famous teaching. And there's a big, huge church to commemorate it, and we don't go to that church. Instead, we walk around the side, and it's like a banana field now. They actually, you can see down there, they're selling bananas. But this is the view that you walk down over that hill. And so often in the things that we're doing when we go there, we're teaching and teaching all this stuff. Here's what happened. We go to the Sermon on the Mount. Instead of teaching, I, I, I just say, hey, instead of doing a teaching, I'm going to read. And so I got to stand on the hill where Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount in the place, and I read the Sermon on the Mount. People said it was one of my best sermons ever. <laughs> and I'm reading, and I read these words. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Like this is, do not worry about your life. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I read these words, standing on the hill in the place where Jesus spoke, and I pause because I can hear the birds and they're flying around us and they're sitting in the tree and the birds of the air. And I'm like, well, were these, I mean, not the same birds, but maybe, you know, the same type? And, and sometimes the strongest moments are the silent ones. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink. Lord, this is so different than the daily details and the grind that I live in. What are you speaking to us? What perspective are you challenging us with? Look at the birds of the air. Listen to them. And we had, had this, I had this, and then people spoke to me afterwards. Powerful moment where like those words were very present and palpable and God's nudge and push for perspective of what he wanted to say and speak to us. Lord, do we trust you? Is our life full of trying to provide for our own safety or security? Do we try and worry and control all things? So then, move on. That's story one. Move on. A few days later, we go and we go into the West Bank. And we go up and we go to a place called Shiloh. 
I can tell you so many stories, but I'm not going to tell you anything about that. We go to Shiloh, where the Ark of the Covenant was. We come back in the West Bank, and after you've been to a great biblical location, probably the great thing to do next is to go to a winery. So we went to a winery. So we went to a winery in the West Bank of a Jewish settlement, and you guys know all the tension in this. You know, and we go to a winery in the West Bank, and this Jewish family had helped settle this land and gone through all kinds of hardship, all kinds of hardship, but that was producing grapes and making good wine and making olive oil. So we, we sit down, and we're going to taste it, and so this, this woman gets up. She's going to teach us how to taste wine, you know, because some of us are, like, really good at it. Some of us are novices. We're like, but, but she says, hey, do you know what makes good wine? Uh-uh. A good grape. Okay. She said, do you know what makes a good grape? Hmm. She said, suffering. Suffering. Suffering above ground and suffering below ground. And you need the suffering above ground where the temperatures go up and drop and and stay within an area, but, but you have great vacillation and back and forth. And then you need suffering under the ground. And the roots, it's not just nice soil. It pushes into rock and has to work around rock and to root itself deeper in. And the suffering of the climate produces the richness of the grape. It creates a great wine that you're about to enjoy. And somehow her words, suffering, God just kind of like tapped me. And said, hey, Matt, remember James that you guys are reading? Remember how it starts? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Suffering above the ground, suffering below the ground. We live in a culture that does everything we can to climate control every aspect of our life. And comfort We don't know it, but it becomes a God, an idol, and we worship it. And it seems like the culture around us and and even our own formation's characters is like, living well is to live as easily as possible. And you are doing well when you can make it as smooth and as easy as possible. And you know what makes a great grape? Suffering. Well, you know what makes a great American Christian following God, just comfort. And I listen to our prayers so often, and it's all around comfort. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Do you guys hear how countercultural this is? And you start zooming out. You say, wait, God, these are your values over my life, and I have some other values I'm maybe pushing in. You're calling me to have a different perspective about what's going on. 
even a, a different perspective about how I approach the, the events and the circumstances of my life and what you may be producing and wanting to produce. Third story. We go uh, from the West Bank, uh, same day, and the winery, and we, we drive back to the hotel. We say, hey, we're going to drop some people off at the hotel who, who want to go to the hotel, but then we're going to go to this open-air market called the Shuk in, in Jerusalem. And so we come down, and I don't know why after a wine tasting some people were all tired, but <laughs> some people were... You know, some people said, hey, we want to stay, we're going to go to the hotel. We've, had, we've, been, we've been touring and hitting stuff hard. So about, I don't know, 20 people got off at, at the hotel or so, and then 25 or 30 of us went up to the Shuk, the outdoor market. And so we drive up there, and, and Hana is our, is our teacher and our, our leader and our tour guide on this thing. She's going to get off and go. She's going to, she has a house in Jerusalem. She's going to go to her house. So she's like, Matt, you lead it. I'm like, fine. So we drive up there. She tells everyone what to do and where to go. I listen to nothing. And, uh, and we say, all right, see ya. And we get off the bus, and she goes one way, and then the bus drives away, and everyone looks at me and like, all right, Matt, where do we go? And I was like, I didn't listen to anything she said, actually. Uh, I don't know. And I'd been to this place before, but nothing was making sense. I was looking around. I was like, I think it's up there. And uh, I'm like, oh, Matt. And... Uh, and so we're at a stoplight and uh, a crosswalk. And so half the group goes up there. And I'm, I'm watching to see if they, like, have a positive reaction. So they go up there and like, yeah, it's up there. So I'm standing with the other half of the group. And then the light turns green again. And we cross. And we go to, the, go to this open-air market. About 10 minutes later, right where we were standing at that crosswalk, uh, a man in a terror attack, in a terrorist attack, slammed his car into seven people and sent, sent seven people. There's one person still in critical condition, hasn't died, but no one died from it, but slammed his car into all seven people, started backing up to go and, and, and run over more people. Someone in the crowd, uh, a civilian, had a gun and went and fired five shots into his car and killed him. This commotion happens, the shots fire, people start running. So we had, we had people in our group, no one was hit by the car, no one saw the car smash in. We had many people who heard the shots and then many people who were caught up in the running away. And when you, you know, when you don't know, when you hear shots and everyone runs and you don't know the panic of that, and, and so the, the, the group goes and, and, and disperses, and then we start, we're spread out in this market. So Gene, the other leader, calls me, and I'm, I'm sitting on the other side, like, drinking a nice coffee. I don't hear anything. I'm a great leader to go to Israel with. Me... <laughs> he says, Matt, someone just called me. There was a, a shooting, a terrorist attack. I said, no, there wasn't. And uh, he goes, no, it was like, at the shook, where you guys, no. Because everything was fine around me. But then all of a sudden I started hearing the sirens. And, and boy, the, the ambulances started showing up. The police started showing up. The military showed up. There were machine guns everywhere. Secret service on these motorcycles. Uh, and we got down and we started to gather our group together and just touch base. Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Right away, you're like, 
is anyone from our group hurt? Is everyone okay? Found out everyone was okay. People started going back to the hotel on their own. And it was only four or five blocks away, so we were just walking home. And so um, I was like, man, my daughter, my daughter went on this trip, but she stayed at the hotel. She was one of them that wanted to stay at the hotel. So I'm like, I don't have my wife. I don't have my daughter. I don't have any kids. The whole group's okay. Everyone's heading back. I'm going to go walk around a little bit. When, when is the next time I'm going to be in Israel at something like this? I just want to see how people are reacting, how, how people are responding. Um, and I was amazed that some people didn't change at all. They're like, yeah, this happens. Business is normal. You know, other people, especially when you got around that block. Look, look at the, the Jerusalem Post. J Post is like the New York Times or USA Today. They, they posted this picture, the aftermath of this ramming terror attack in central Jerusalem. So they took this picture. They're, they're photographers. So you, you can't really see it, but the car is up there. That's where we stood to, to cross over into this market. Um, but look at the people. Look at the backs of the people. Look at the dude with the skulls on his shirt. Okay, this next picture is a picture I took. I was in the exact same spot. Like, I... The J Post photographer must have been right next to me. And that's, I just put my phone up and took this, took this picture of it. I said, Lord, what, what do you have to show us here? What, what, what do you speak? Do not worry about your life. Suffering produces great grapes. Lord, what are you speaking? And so I went back to James, and I have a hard word and a real word for us, for our church, and just for perspective on our life, just for perspective on our life. James 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Do not worry about your life. Rejoice in trials. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then is gone. In, Psalm, in Psalms, Psalms 90, 12 says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We so run from our mortality and death in our culture that we start to think we're going to be here forever, that, 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 that we are promised tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and that we can control it and hold on to it. And, and sometimes when the Lord calls us back and gives us perspective, there is a power punch of perspective that says you are going to die. 
You are here for a short time. You are here for a short time. And, and let that give you perspective on today and the gift it is and where to focus and where not. Let that give you perspective that allows you to let go and not have to hold on. Fourth story. That, that was the evening, and our group, our group was, you know, I said we got shook at the shook. It, the shook was the name of that outdoor, you know, we got kind of shook. It shook us. And some of you that are there, you're, you know. And came back, and so you kind of go through a traumatic event, and the next morning, um, what we had on the docket was to go to what's called the garden tomb. The garden tomb, there's a few different disputed places. Where, where was Jesus put in the tomb and, and, and came back to life? And, but the garden tomb is one of those places. And so we, we go, we had this guide walk us through, and it's like this gorgeous garden in the middle of the city. It's like an oasis surrounded by a bunch of crazy, you know, a bunch of busy and hectic. It's like peaceful. It captures so much, captures the heart of like this pastoral serenity of of Jesus in the garden. And so we go and we're toured around by a, by a great guy who loved God, and then we, we get a chance and we all get to go into the tomb. And so we have a picture of Pam. Here's Pam Freeland. Jeff, is Pam with us? Is she traveling this morning? That girl's traveling. So she got off the plane and got back on a plane because she's a pilot, but she's coming out of the tomb and she promised me, Matt, there's nothing in there, right? There is no body. <laughs> there is no body. And so we go from the tomb, and then they've got these little structures set up that groups, we walk past this group of Indonesians, like probably a hundred strong, that are just belting worship, just belting out in their native tongue. And there's like people from all different countries here, all over the world. And so we get our little spot in our little house or our, our, our little structure for us to take communion together. And so Drew, um, we gave her a lot of prep time. <laughs> like how much? An hour. Maybe an hour. Said, Drew, how about could you lead our group in communion this morning? And uh, we were still kind of tender and people are... So much you've experienced. And so Drew gets up, and we're in this little structure in this garden in the heart of the city. And I need to tell you something else. We were in Israel in a unique time, not only from a couple of stories I've told you, but we were there for three holidays. The first was a Holocaust memorial. The, the second was just their Memorial Day. And then the third was their Independence Day. Israel knows how to remember well. Okay, they had the Holocaust on Holocaust Remembrance Day at 11 a.m. We were in a bus going down a street, and 11 a.m., the, the national sirens go off. Warning sirens, but it's not saying missiles are coming in. It's the sirens went off saying, now is when we pause. And the entire country stops. And on the road, everyone pulled off. Everyone got out of their car. And everyone stood for two minutes as this siren just, Wah! and you remember for there, remembering the six million Jews that were killed in the Holocaust. It's 
powerful moment. Fast forward a, a week later, and as their Memorial Day started, we, I was with a group um, doing a very important thing, looking to find gelato that we could eat. <laughs> and we were walking down a street in what would be like, sort of like Pearl Street Mall, a, a walking mall, and at 8 o'clock p.m., the sirens went off again. Everybody stopped. Everybody stopped. And we stopped this time, not to remember those who were killed in the Holocaust, but those who had been killed in war and terrorist attack in, in Israel's history. Everyone stopped. Everyone remembered. And it was powerful. Drew is leading us in communion. And she's doing a great job. And she's saying, you know, just talking over just a heart of communion and, and remembering what Jesus done. And we're like at the place where he like rose from the grave. It's like deeply personal. We've had this trip with so many experiences, seen so many things. And, and Drew leads us and we, she passes it out. And, and everyone gets a plate and takes the, the matzah and takes a little cup of juice and, and is holding it. And Drew says, take and eat. This is, this is, this is his body that has been given for you. Take and eat. The siren went off. The third siren. You could, if I had a switch, I could not have timed it better. The siren of remembrance. And at 11 a.m. on Memorial Day, they did it again, and we were to stand for two minutes, but, but it was perfect timing. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, and our whole group stands up and holds, holds the cup and holds the matzah, and we stand there as the sirens echoing, and this time, what are we remembering? What perspective is God giving us? And, and it was like the father said, I know, I know you got shook at the shook. I know you're worried about your life and so many things. I know there are struggles and it's hard. I have not left you. I have not forgotten you. You stand at the place where I rose from the grave and let me remind you and give me perspective. I am at work. You are not alone and we're holding the elements and then as soon as the siren ends that the, the, the Israeli Air Force jets do this flyover and and I like man-made stuff doesn't like get I don't I don't have awe in front of man-made stuff like I, I you know God made nature I get awe except for jets man and they come, and it shakes, you know, it shakes your insides, and just the power of the military might of these jets comes right over us, and it's like, and it's like God's sovereignty. It's this right at the perfect time. God's like, let me give you a flyover to remind you of my power, and that I am in control, and you don't need to be, and zoom out. And do not worry about your life and what you might 
Do you want to eat and drink? Stop chasing after all of this. You are a mist that appears for a while. So what's the Lord saying to you? What's the Lord saying to you in all of that? Because I don't want to be like some guy who's standing up showing you slides of a great trip he went on, right? That's not why I'm doing this today. I don't think those were just words or lessons for the group that went to Israel. I think it's words and lessons for our church. Where's God calling you to let go, give you perspective, zoom out of what you're stuck in, of what you feel hopeless in? Where is he calling you to lean into the suffering and learn and be formed and mature in it instead of stopping trying to escape and run and create comfort all the time? Where is he calling you to trust him in his sovereignty and stop trying to play God in your life? I'm going to have the worship band come up. And if there's just any place that God's pointed out where you have lost perspective or you're out of alignment, ask God about it, ponder it. If worry has you by the throat, if the trials, are the trials of life bringing you to maturity or choking out your light? Maybe the wisdom that, to know that your days are numbered and to embrace that.